The Burton Continuum is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Some language may not be suitable for younger audiences. Do you want a combo? Yeah. Okay. What comes with a combo? A side. Do they got fries? Yeah, they're very good. Can I get the uh, five-piece chicken supremes combo? Uh, I'll take fries and a Pepsi. Thank you. Hey, when we get back to the office, I need your help. What you need? I need you to help me identify the year Harrison is talking about. Hmm. He's talking about when Jeff was running for a championship, mm-hmm. and he remembers coming into his room and saying, sorry, we're not going to win the championship this year. Uh, I'd suggest maybe Googling it. Google? Okay. Try that. Cool. See what happens. That's like what every teacher says when they don't want to be bothered and they're doing their nails at the desk. Yeah, I'm really busy. So, clearly, eating all these pretzels. Like, he would come to my bedroom after he got home, after the racetrack, and say, sorry, we're not going to win the championship this year. I would tell him, it's okay, it doesn't matter. Hey, Google, help me find something groundbreaking. No way. Google had an answer? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Groundbreaking. It looks like it was 2006 was the year that Jeff almost won the championship. 2006. Okay. So that means he was in the 31 car? Yeah. Orange and black colors. A lot of people remember him for the Roush days. Well, I think Jeff Byrne. I think the 31 car. Because you're a millennial? Technically a Gen Z, but that's the Oh, that's even worse. You're the iPad generation. I didn't know if he remembered that or my daughter remembered that. I don't know, but that's the first time I heard that he did remember that. And I cried that night. I did. I cried because it, it was, uh, you know, I really believed we were going to win that championship. The picture is becoming more clear. Harrison Burton's driving force is to win a championship his dad could never win. But Harrison's story seems incomplete without Jeff. You hear this man every Sunday calling races for NBC, but you've never heard him like this. Today is all about the mayor, Jeff Burton. I'm Alex Timms, and this is the Burton Continuum. I'm back at the same shop where I met Harrison just a few weeks earlier. I take a quick peek around, and not much is different from last time. And Harrison's shop tour begins to replay in my mind. The go-karts ready to race. The helmets and fire suits neatly displayed. And the family heirloom. Jeff's 1957 Chevy. I learned a lot about working on cars with that car. Got it running and 
And my dad's like, wow, you know, he was kind of proud of me for doing it. So he, well, let's paint it. So he painted it. And then he's like, well, that needs an interior. So he put an interior in it. Growing up, if your dad was a car guy, you know a classic car like this gets treated with more love and care than you ever were. Which is why what happened next can only be described as a son's worst nightmare. I mean, only me, right? I left my parents' house. It was raining, was going too fast, accelerating through the gears, and going from second to third gear, I spun it out and backed into a telephone pole in my grandmother's front yard. And how the hell does it, right? My grandpa on my mom's side is a doctor, knocked the power out because he hit the power line at the hospital. The pole had a transformer on it. When, that, when I say it exploded, it exploded like a bomb going off. Knocked all the power out in South Boston, Virginia. You know, <laughs> I mean, He's working, you know, working with patients and the power goes out. Like some idiot in a red 57 just hit the telephone pole and knocked the power out. He's like, I think I know who that is. And sure enough, it was my dad. Police come, rescue squad comes, you know, the typical traffic, you know, lane. Here comes one lane of traffic through. And after like 15, 20 minutes, you know, I look and at the end of that line, that traffic line is my dad. My dad pulls up. <laughs> and rolls the right side window. He looks at me and says, you okay? And I said, yep. And he just drove off. He left my ass there. <laughs> He's like, you did it. You figure, you figure it out, right? While Jeff was telling me that story, I'm not going to lie to you. It was hard to focus. Because sitting three feet away from me is a car I remember watching as a kid. The bright orange, number 31, singular wireless Chevy that Jeff drove during his time at RCR. What about the, uh, the top car, the race car? What's that from? So um, that's the only race car I have from all the years I raced. That car is the car that I passed Matt Kenseth at Dover with just a few laps left to go. No, oh, Matt, Matt drifted up pretty high that lap. This could be it. No, clear. This is down the back stretch. Burton is taking the lead. That win was, in my career, was a really big win because it was, um, I had come back. It's a long road back. I want to thank y'all for putting me back in this deal. You guys have resurrected my deal. Jeff, good job. Jeff Burton's going back to victory lane. My career had faltered. I wasn't running well. I wasn't winning. It was just—it was a, a very important day to me. You can come back, right? You can't. You don't quit. Uh, it's been a while since he's done this, but I'll bet he hasn't forgotten how. And I always thought that was the dang coolest thing in the world as a little kid in here. Was, dang, there's a race car here. Jeff's family here with him. He's already had a long line of visitors from Mark Martin to Greg Biffle to Kevin Harvick to Richard Childress. For Harrison, it was staring at that race car every day. For Jeff, it was a bit different. I wanted to race. And, and I, I re- listen, this is the silliest thing. When I was in high school, we had one computer in the whole damn school. 
and it was in the Career Resource Center. And I went and found a file for a race car driver. <laughs> it was in there. Well, damn, that is, you, that's, it says it right there, right? You can do it. <laughs> so, so that's what I wanted to do. I didn't honestly ever, ever, never, ever even considered like the possibility of being a cup driver. It never even was in my mind. It just happened, but it wasn't my goal. As weird as that sounds, that was never my goal. Jeff is the youngest of three boys. His brothers, Ward and Brian, along with their dad, John, were all racers. So Jeff thought, that's just what the Burtons do. You know, listen, my brothers and my dad were my heroes. And they were doing it, so damn, I'm gonna do it. Our dad would go to all the races back in the day. He'd go to Daytona and they were racing on the beach. That's Brian, the Middle Burton brother. He runs the family's construction company in South Boston, Virginia. But today, he's the Burton family historian. And when dad was growing up, he had the hottest and fastest car in the surrounding counties. Back in the day, they drag race. And that's how they made side money. There wasn't many times he didn't win. And so he had a passion with cars early on. He just didn't have the opportunity to take it to the next step. He's living his dream through Jeff and Ward. So that's how, that's how it all originated. I don't know if he was watching me or what one day, but there was a place about four miles from here called 360 Go-Kart Tracks. And Dad took me up there one day and said, would you like to do that next weekend? I said, sure. If the accent didn't give it away, that's Ward Burton, the oldest of the three Burton brothers. We took the lead on the last lap, and of course I had no idea. I wasn't looking at no flag or nothing. I had no idea with the last lap. After that, it wasn't, had nothing to do with me. I'm eight years old. Dad bought me a Margay racing car. So the next thing I know is my brothers got older, all three of us racing. Dad even raced So at one point, we had four, four carts going, and we did that every weekend, every summer, just about. Their father, John, was the first Burton to catch the racing bug. But it's also where every Burton after got their competitiveness and work ethic from, too. So my father is a very self-motivated person. If it's a sport, you know, he doesn't just go play golf. He practices and then plays golf. Like, he puts everything in. He's all in. My father always, as children, had our backs. And he is scrappy. He's a lot like Ward. He, Ward and my dad, are, they're both very scrappy, very confident. Just get the hell out of my way. I'll show you. My dad worked for everything he's got. The Burton boys were racing together every weekend, seemingly tight as ever. But you have to remember there's a big age gap between them. Ward is the oldest and nearly six years older than Jeff, while Brian stands in the middle, just two years older than Jeff. So naturally, Jeff and Brian were closer growing up. But by the time Jeff was older and cool enough to hang around his big brother, 
Ward was already away at school and out of the house for good. So we weren't as close, and it wasn't because we didn't want to be. It just was age and preferences and location, all those things. I still remember the day he went to Hargrave. Like, I sat on the stairs and cried when he was going because I knew he didn't want to go. And I thought, he's being punished. Like, they're punishing him, and they're sending his ass off. <laughs> like, he's getting sent off. Ward left South Boston to attend Hargrave Military Academy, one of the toughest military schools in Virginia. Even today, the things that he's interested in and has a passion for are things that are different than what I have interest in and have passion for. So we didn't have a commonality that Brian and I had. Brian and I played on the same soccer team. Brian took me everywhere. And, I mean, everywhere. We went to pick up his date one night. And I'm with him at the front door, and she opens the door, and she says, why is he here? And he said, because he goes with me. Well, why has he always got to go? Well, if you don't want to go, then fine. And he turned around and walked down the sidewalk. But I had two, both of my, I had two great brothers that, that looked after me, taught me, beat me up, did all the things that bigger brothers are supposed to do. There she is, South Boston Speedway. Look at that. Never seen a track so beautiful. <laughs> Let's go take a look at it. South Boston Speedway is what made the Burtons a household name. Back in those days, probably 25% of the fans were from Ward, 25% were for Jeff. Our competitors, when we were like, racing late models, they quietly they quietly would call it South Burton Speedway. <laughs> and I don't think that was a compliment. I think that they were, <laughs> I think they thought there was some favoritism, but. <laughs> Back in those days, it was so competitive. I mean, there was, there was literally seven, eight drivers that win every weekend. So I guess this is where Brian's third turn brew crew was, right up on this fence. That's why it smells like beer. Yeah, it's you know, turned four smell like daisies. This is why you know this is the rowdy section. That is a good point. <laughs> Jeff and Ward became legends in Victory Lane. But Brian? He became a legend in the turn three grandstands. Third turn brew crew, man. They were they were uh, they were the local fan club. Well, I can tell you a whole lot of alcohol was involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no question about that. Brian's friends, Jeff's friends, some of mine, yeah, they had it going on, man. <laughs> they opened the gates at noon to watch practice. And we would take our chairs and chain them to the chain link fence. I mean, we were literally right, right by the retaining wall. You know, they weren't in the grandstands. There's a grass piece, you know, outside of turns three and four. And, and they drank beer and raised hell and, and pulled for us. And they had a few altercations. <laughs> Brian would put up blankets on the damn uh, fence like one guy named Wayne Patterson had been wrecking Jeff, put it consistently. So we, we put banners up, and, and then if somebody had wrecked somebody, water Jeff, the week prior, we'd come up with some slogan and have a banner up there. What Brian just said was, if another competitor would wreck water Jeff, He'd make a homemade banner with a catchy slogan on it. 
it says, how's Wayne Passage Drive and dial 1-800-E? <laughs> you can figure the last four letters. <laughs> what Ward just said was, one of the banners read, how's Wayne Patterson's driving? Call 1-800-EAT-SHIT. They, they had our back. It was great support from your brother. It was great support from the community. And the other drivers knew it. Like, they were vocal about it. They knew if they did something, (laughs) when they were leaving the track, they'd be there waiting for them. Coming up, tension grows between Jeff and Ward. But first, support for the Burton Continuum comes from Pristine Auction. Dude, did you forget to get me a birthday gift? No, because I thought working with me is a gift enough in itself. Yeah, that doesn't cut it. What else could you possibly want? I don't know, a boat, a lake house, really nice car, just a few things, you know, no big deal. I've got a proposal for you. All right. What about some exclusive autographed items that you can't find anywhere else? All right, keep talking. I'm listening. I know a guy. Really? You got a guy? Got a guy. This episode of The Burnt Continuum is brought to you by our friends at Pristine Auction. Ah, Pristine Auction, the most trusted place to get autographed racing memorabilia. With thousands of daily auctions starting at $1, you can win authentic signed racing memorabilia at affordable prices. Get this. What? Just last week, a Dale Earnhardt Jr. signed helmet sold for $153. Wow. Imagine all the awesome birthday gifts you can buy for yourself on Pristine Auction. Or you could have got from me. But if you want great deals like that, you can use code BURTON for $10 off your first auction one on pristineauction.com. What's that code again? That's code BURTON for $10 off your first auction, one, on pristineauction.com. At this point, from an outside perspective, Jeff and Ward are closer than ever. I mean, every week, you're racing against your brother in front of all your friends and family. How bad could it be? But that's the thing. You're racing against your brother every week in front of all your friends and family. Eventually, somebody has to lose. We weren't as close, and then the racing actually kind of drove us further apart. Bluntly, my father was helping me more than he was helping Ward. You know, my view of that was my father was helping me because I was showing how much I wanted it. I was, you know, I was working on race cars and doing everything I could, and, you know, Ward hadn't really done that yet. But then Ward, once Ward got going, then it changed. You know, then, okay, now Ward had something to focus on. I didn't feel like I'd been a really good older brother. But Jeff's uh, growing up was a little bit different than mine. You know, I took the hard road, so I got sent away to a bunch of schools during the summer school, during summer. Again, here's parents looking at their oldest son, their oldest and their youngest. One wants to figure out how to make a living living in the woods, and the other one wants to make a living working on race cars. Like, how the hell is this going to work out for either one of them? I'm pretty sure they thought they were going to be supporting us for the rest of their life. One night, both Jeff and Ward refused to lose. And in the heat of competition, 
they had to decide between family and winning. So I guess right down there is where the infamous Burton family brawl happened with ah, Jeff and Ward. Right by Pitt Road. I would guess right like by that the edge of Pitt Road because can't you just see like Ward just coming down, you know, steaming mad, trying to get to Jeff and people trying to stop him. So I would assume it's coming right towards Brian's brew crew actually. Wow. I had to start in the back, and Ward was running second. I was running third. Ward was faster than the leader, and I was faster than both of them. He was trying to get by the leader, and I was trying to get by him so I could ultimately get by the leader. And I feel like he left me a hole, and he felt like, felt like he didn't. He wrecked me. <laughs> hey, if somebody got their nose up to my middle of my left rear tire, something's going to happen. To change some stuff up, I felt like he got in the corner and like, oh, that's my spot. <laughs> and he felt like, oh, I'm just doing this to get that guy, right? And next thing you know, around we go. I went from my trailer over to uh, Jeff's trailer. And the Rice brothers stopped me. And I said, I said, well, look, I'm just going to talk to them. <laughs> and they let me go. And I, I, had him, I had him up backed up against the dam where, the, where you put your tire carrier at. Then I saw Dad coming. And I knew I needed to get myself back to my side of the pit road real quick. Because Dad would kick everybody's butt. Listen, all that, that whole thing was, had more to do with us trying to figure out who we, who, what our relationship was. Because we were different and, you know, there are a lot of things in, going on with the family and, you know, ultimately, you're going to have some kind of conflict with everybody you race with if you race long enough. It was bound to happen and ultimately it was good that it happened. It, it, it allowed us a moment to reflect on, okay, what's really important? And someone above us, mom, dad, to say, look, you clowns, there's a way to handle these things, and that's not it. And so, I mean, the truth is, it's, it was a racing incident. That could have happened between anybody, it just happened to be two brothers. The brothers survived that night at South Boston. And Jeff's career continued to accelerate. It's clear at this point that Jeff is into racing deeper than Ward. With the help of his father, Jeff moved into what's now called the Xfinity Series. Jeff's father did for him like how Jeff has guided Harrison's young career. My second year running full-time Xfinity was the longest year of my life. I was driving for Sam Ard, legend in the sport, but we were doing it without a lot of help. We were doing it with a budget, a small budget, and the only way to get around that was to work a lot. 
I mean, it was ugly. I worked myself to the point where my father-in-law, who's a physician, wanted to put me in the hospital. Like I had gotten, I had gotten emotionally and physically destroyed. We were going from race to race. We didn't fly. We were driving. It was a van just of all of us. That's Kim, Jeff's wife. You know, I just, it was hard, but I just didn't know any different, I guess is what I should say. The hours that they worked were insane. Nothing um, that's worthwhile is ever easy, and it definitely wasn't easy. If you thought Jeb and Brandy's love story was romantic, wait until you hear Jeff and Kim's. So he was, I was riding my bike. I was 14. He was riding in the passenger seat of his brother Brian's car. And I was riding down Main Street. And he saw me on the bike and rolled down the window and, you know, hollered at me hey but we agreed to meet at um the next week at a game a football game so i had my pack of girlfriends with me and we all you know got dropped off at the ball game so we were standing in the parking lot and he couldn't drive yet so he comes driving up on his bicycle from his house and we're all in the pack and he sees us he's heading towards us and he's like you know, and he went to stop and brakes didn't work and he ran right into us, knocked me down. And then he gets up and holds his hand out. Hey, I'm the guy that called you. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know why I even had a second date with him. But, but she did. And since then, Kim has been there every step of the way with Jeff. After a demanding sophomore season in the Xfinity Series, Jeff gutted out a performance late in the year that would change his racing path forever. Winning at Martinsville, a track just an hour west of South Boston. Final lap for Jeff Burton, 23 years of age, from South Boston, Virginia. And there is Kim Brown, his girlfriend. You heard moments ago, she was in tears and they are waiting waiting for this final 100-yard dash, and it's jubilation in the pits, in the armor meat pits in the back straightaway. Sam Ard, car owner and crew chief, and that young man, Jeff Burton, and he is excited. Is he happier while he's waving to that crew? Kimberly, he did it! I knew it! I knew it! I knew he could do it! Can I go over there? I gotta give him a big kiss! Is this the most exciting day of your life? The ultimate! The ultimate! Well, I'll see you over there! Jeff went on to win a race in each of the next three seasons, then moved to the Cup Series in 1994, driving for Billy and Mickey Stavola. But in 1996, Jack Roush was looking for a driver for his new number 99 car, so he called a Burton. But not the Burton you're expecting. (laughs) Listen, timing's a lot in life. I drove for Billy and Mickey, Billy and Mickey for two years. And then Ward got the call 
from Ralph's were starting this new team, and he just <laughs> he just made this casual comment. You know a guy named Jeff Smith, he called me, wanted to know if I'd be willing to drive for them next year. And I already got my deal with Bill Davis. And I'm like, well, damn, give me his number. Jeff didn't steal the ride at Roush. Ward essentially handed it to him because he was already signed long-term to drive for Bill Davis Racing. He gave me his number and uh, I called him. And it wasn't a few days longer I was meeting with Jack. It's not often brothers are in line for the same opportunity. And as we all know, hopping in that 99 car made Jeff Burton, Jeff Burton. 25 years removed from this phone call, Ward is very much at peace with that decision. But his son, Jeb, can't help but think what could have been. I know, like, Dad stayed with Bill Davis too damn long. I mean, he could have drove for Rick Hendrick, Joe Gibbs. He could have drove for the best teams. Yeah. Looking back, he should, he should have made those moves. He was winning a race or two a year versus five or six. And he was a good enough driver to win a championship. He was really good. Like, they ran really freaking good in that damn car. Nobody else ran good at that place. He regrets it too, I, w- I wish he could have got. He would have won 30, 40 cup races, I think. He would have been a big team. Ward's loyalty ultimately launched Jeff's career. And no fault to Jeff, he took an opportunity and shine. But to see someone succeed in an opportunity you could have had, let alone your brother, has to create some awkwardness. You have to understand, like the way I raced, and I'm not always proud of this, but everything came second. You know, it's easy to say family first, or you know, what country first, or God first, or whatever, right? But for me, maybe I wasn't as skilled as some other people were. I had to make everything about racing. Jeff and Harrison are a lot alike. They're both cerebral on and off the track, but have this youthful ball of energy and get fired up when racing is a topic of conversation. But in my time spent with the Burtons, I see a lot of similarities between Jeb and Jeff, especially when it comes to winning. Noon on Monday, man. Like noon on Monday, if you're not on the next thing, you spent way too much damn time worrying about it or celebrating it. Problem with me is I wouldn't, I wouldn't take noon till Monday to celebrate. I, my celebrating was over. <laughs> I didn't enjoy them as much as I should have. Jeff spent the bulk of his career with two organizations: first Roush Racing, then Richard Childress Racing. Jeff left Roush midway through the 2004 season, in the middle of what would turn out to be a four-year winless drought. So what happened at Roush was we went one year at Roush where the 99 car was the only team to win a race. And then the following year, we were the only team not to win a race. And we never got our mojo back. 
and we were having sponsorship issues. That was a huge weight on my shoulders. I felt responsible for that. And I felt guilty about it. Hey Russell, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm trying to find a place at this media center where I can talk to you guys. I'm just going to come in the raid one of these radio rooms with just a black backdrop. That's perfect. Russell Branham was Jeff Burton's manager for over a decade and had a big hand in helping Jeff make the biggest decision of his racing career. The problem was I was told that we, we can't guarantee that he's going to race next year. Yeah, he's under contract with us, but listen, we can't guarantee he's going to race next year. We don't even know if we're going to have enough money to finish this year. As his manager, I start making phone calls and stuff to other race teams. Richard Childress Racing had sort of had the air taken out of that organization. We lose Dale Sr. in February of 01. But the organization itself had lost its lure. He looked at Jeff as Jeff was going to be sort of the savior. It was just timing again, like it was the right thing to do. It was one of those situations I thought everybody was going to win. And I knew I was going to short term lose. But I thought long term, it was, it felt right to me. And it took, but listen, that happened over a year, right? It didn't, I just didn't wake up one day, oh, that's right. Like it, that process happened over time, as things always do. Shit doesn't happen like it does in the movies. So here you go. Here's your choice, Jeff. You can either... Keep on riding in the 99 and hope that you win and hope that you continue to get better, but there's no guarantee for 05. Or you can go to another race team and it's telling you it's going to take time for us to win, but we need you. We want you. They want you. Yeah. Roush, they don't want you anymore, man. You know, I told Russell Branham, who worked for me at the time, and Kim. You know, I hung up the phone. I told Richard, I said, I'm take, I'll take the job, I'll do it. You know, hung up the phone. I looked at both of them and I said, I don't want to hear a word from either one of you about us getting our ass whipped because we're going to get our ass whipped. Because you both of you have let me make this decision. Russell, you've influenced it. Russell wanted me to go to Childress. Kilm was kind of like, eh. And I made the decision and I said, I'm not listening to you guys about competition. When I get on the airplane going home and we just got our ass beat by that 99 car, we're not, I'm not looking to negative faces. I'm not having it because it's going to happen. And I was saying it to them and I was saying it to myself. You know, Talking yourself into them. That's right. I was saying it to myself probably more than I was them. It was the toughest decision of his racing career. He was just hoping that it would just fix itself, but it just was not going to happen. There were tears falling that day. 
there was obscenity said, there was a lot of anger. It was just the most intense situation I had ever been in with him. Call me if I can do anything else for you, okay? Appreciate it, Russell. Thank you. Take care, guys. All right. Thank you. See you. Jeff's RCR days were up and down. The winning car from Dover that's proudly displayed in the shop is a reminder of the good times. But it's also a reminder of what could have been. 2006 was setting up to be a historic year for the Burtons. Jeff was leading the championship standings by 45 points with five races to go. He ended up finishing seventh, 257 points behind. I have few regrets in my career, but I have some disappointments, and that was one of the biggest ones. I vividly remember that day when I came home and I said, you know, guys, we're not going to win this championship. I remember being a kid, and my dad came home after he got really close a couple times and had some mechanical failures and had bad runs in the last few races, could have won championships, and he would come home and tell us sorry, you know, he felt like he let us down. Like, he would come to my bedroom after he got home after the racetrack and say, sorry, we're not going to win the championship this year. I would tell him, it's okay, it doesn't matter. We had led the damn thing, (laughs) and we went to Martinsville and broke a motor. This is not good. No. Came in as the championship leader. There's only like four races left to go. We had a pretty damn big lead. And we go to Texas and blow a right front tire on a fresh straightaway. Right front tire. Jeff Burton. Tear the wall down and and um, it's over. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, this pretty much does it for us, unfortunately. But, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep fighting and uh, get all we can. You never know what's going to happen. Selfishly, the, my career was about me, and I had to treat it as such, and I had to put everything else first. My family was on that journey with me. And they sacrificed for that. There's a few moments where I got everybody together, and typically they were in disappointing moments, and that was one of them, and I had to get, I said, you know, guys, I, I, I'm sorry, but we're, we're just not gonna win a championship this year. And I cried that night, I did, I cried because it, it was, uh, you know, I th- really believed we were gonna win that championship. And Jimmy Johnson is the 2006 NASCAR Nextel Cup Series champion. I always wanted to be the first to win a cup championship. Most of my life was the tail end of his career. Most of my life where I was old enough to recognize what's going on, old enough to think about it, old enough to see it and understand what's happening, all that. Most of that I was towards the last five years of his career, and they were pretty tough. Those were kind of the the years where he was struggling the most, and he worked harder than I've ever seen him work, and he always wanted to win, and he wanted to go out on top, and it just didn't happen. And that was why it was so sad is because 
he sacrificed so much and worked so dang hard and it didn't matter. I always wanted to do that because my dad never could and that's the one thing that I think he wants to do more than anything in the world is say that he's a cup champion and he never got there. When the decision was made that I wasn't going to race full time anymore, that was another time I got everybody together. And I told them the whole story. <laughs> like, I didn't give them the, you know, dad just wants to not do it anymore. And I didn't dump. I gave them the whole damn thing. And that's still something Jeff doesn't like talking about. The story is that Jeff's performance didn't keep up with his retirement strategy which made 2013 Jeff's final full-time season. And the reality is, most athletes don't get to choose how they go out or when their time is up. Sometimes reality just kicks in and the racing clock runs out. I think he kind of wanted a year to go and understand that it was his last time racing at this track and his last time doing this and doing that. And I think that being cut short was kind of the toughest thing. That, that's all we knew. Like, that's that's all we had ever done. Like, especially Harrison and I, like, we grew up in it. That's Paige, Harrison's sister. I, I mean, I regret that there wasn't, like, an official send-off or anything like that. Like, a lot of these drivers have gotten. So, I was mad about it. Um, I felt, you know, I, I, I understand it's business and all that, but you can't help but feel upset that your hard work, not me, but his hard work and loyalty and, you know, isn't rewarded. The thing is, too, that what people on the outside probably don't get is that so much of what happens to you in this sport is not in your control. I came in to this sport and took someone's job. I went out of this sport and had my job taken. I was not having the success I needed to have to sustain my career. He wasn't driving anymore. People would say, do you miss driving? And he'd say, you know, no, I don't. And that would make me mad <laughs> because, you know, hey, I spent 30 years of my life because this is what you really wanted to do and now you don't miss it. I had to come to terms and process that. I looked at it from the perspective of all we did to get him where he was, and because he was passionate about racing and driving, and so when he said, no, I'm good, I was like, hmm, I'm not. I am now, but it, you know, it's taken a while. <laughs> I'm crazy. I guess I'm freaking crazy. I, they lock me up. You know, people would lock me up and throw me away and say I'm a relic. And I believe presentation is important, but it has to be factual. And I don't, I don't hide the facts, even when they're not pretty. And and you know, on that day, I had I told them the whole story. Here's, you know, and I cried that day too. You know, and and um, it's just right, wrong, or different. That's how I do it. The picture is now clear. Harrison's drive isn't just to be a cup driver. 
is to achieve a championship for the Burtons. He won't ever say it, but he didn't know how to handle it. He didn't know how to handle it, I don't think. I didn't know how to handle it. I remember I was a little kid crying when he got in out of his last, I don't know why, like crying when he got out of his last race because he was a dang hero. I get it now, and he's come to peace with all that stuff that I think he would not, he was kind of upset about not winning a championship and things like that. But yeah, I want to do that for him for sure. That'd be cool. It's cool to hear him say that. You know, I, I, um, I want his career to be about him. And I want him to be self-motivated. You know, if he can draw some motivation, and then that's awesome. I want my kids to look up to me. I want them to respect me, and I want them to view me as a positive influence in their life. I want them to know that I support them no matter what. And, um, you know, if they know that, then, then part of my journey as a dad has been successful. You take your parents and your family and your loved ones on the journey with you, but it's about you. And that's not selfish. That's just reality. It's not about me. It's not about Ward. We help them start their journeys. It's no longer about us. It's hard. Having family is hard because anytime you're competing against someone every damn day, it's hard. And um, But I hear some Jeb do a good job with it. I think they race each other hard. Uh, and there'll be a moment that they have an issue and they're gonna have to figure out how to work that out. And I hope that the issues that Ward and I had help them with that in advance. On the next episode. It's okay to be free to skinny dip. Ward, all five foot eight of him, would whip someone's ass. I got some really good words for him, but I can't say it on TV. I wish I had something like a shot to the window. <laughs> Man, he gets along with everybody. I've never seen anyone that didn't like Ward. Ward always had two lives. Racing was a career. This other stuff is a lifetime endeavor. Did that make it easier for you to not look back when you quit? Well, I can remember calling my brother Bron. I said, Bron, I'm gonna go on with my life. I'm just not gonna drive a race car. Ward was I guess, too loyal to some of his cup owners. Long distance relationships ain't easy. If I'm competing with somebody, I don't really want to be your buddy. It's a, a brotherly, brotherly love that is filled with huge competition. 
it's it's not jealousy and it's not a wishing that that you had it that way. It's just it's just a normal feeling that it's it's it separates you emotionally. The Burton Continuum is a production of Dirty Mo Media. This show is produced and narrated by Alex Timms. Executive producer, Mike Davis. Assistant producer, Jason Schultz. Audio master by Matthew Dillner. Artwork by Sean Sen. Audio engineering by Joe Radler. You can follow us on all social media platforms at Dirty Mo Media. You can find all episodes of The Burden Continuum and other original content at DirtyMoMedia.com. Broadcast audio is credited to Fox, NBC, MRN, PRN, and CBS. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, 